1: What is happening? Welcome to another on the corner podcast episode. I am Nick Pollock, and we're continuing our mock draft series with Ben Palmer. Man, you, Ben has been here since I think 2016, something like if that. I remember yeah, remember correctly? Yeah, you, you send me an email around February <laughs> or March that year. It was right before Alex. Right, right before, before Fast. Alex, yes, yeah, slightly, slightly before Alex. Fast, but yeah, Ben Palmer is here. Ben, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too, man. It's been a very long time. And if you're wondering, yes, Ben Palmer does have the best mic of anyone on the podcast <laughs> network. You've had this mic from the very beginning too, which is, I think hilarious, uh, smooth McGee. Over here. <laughs> um, but uh, Ben, tell everybody what you do and where they can find you.
2: Yeah. So I, I, uh, I write at this site called pitcher list. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You may never have heard of it. It's, it's a tiny site. Um, And uh, I manage the editors for the site. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, write some pieces here and there. Uh, It hasn't been as much because I've kind of it's funny. I've I've found a whole lot more joy in writing big, long data heavy research pieces. Sure. But uh, the nature of that is they take really long to gather all the data and write. So (laughs) it's like I'm writing an article every month or two. Right. But they're fun to write. And um,
1: do you do but the, yeah, uh,
2: hitters to stream every week as well? and I do. Yes. Thank you. There I you do. A, <laughs> what a what a leading question. That's you're great at <laughs> podcasting. Um, yeah, I do a hitters to stream column every week during the season, looking at the week ahead. Uh, the hitters that you should be targeting uh, in your lineups and the hitters you should be avoiding uh yeah been doing that for i guess it's that was i just finished up three years now
1: yeah i think so yeah um, yeah and uh it, there's there's so many things that ben palmer and i could just go on tangents yeah, about we have in the past many we times. had a whole episode of it, shagging flies the yeah, podcast well, that i co-host with zach hayes thank you oh what a wonderful transition there <laughs> exactly uh on the pod pitchers podcast now we're on the main feed now through the office, yeah man of course in uh in next season actually there are some surprises um, I don't think even Ben knows about uh, for next year that will oh boy. include, of course, the Shag and Flies podcast. But, uh, but I mean, there's so many things that come to mind. For example, there's uh, um, we're thinking about breaking balls wrong. Um mm. that is that spawned one of my favorite tweets ever, which is Yancey Eden <laughs> twenty-eight days later saying I'll research your piece. Yeah. Which is the funniest yeah. thing ever. And if you want to know about that thread, go see that on Twitter or DM me and ask for it. <laughs> it's a wonderful time. Yeah, that was that was a really
2: the really cool thing about my favorite thing about that piece was when uh Kyle Body replied and said he had passed it around the Reds. Oh, that's great. Uh bullpen like minor league system i was like Absolutely. oh uh, That's really cool, cool?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and and something to note too is that we actually are going to be putting out uh what we call the uh the pictureless library uh soon on the site where we have about 50 articles we've made in the past uh that you can see them all in one place we have so, so many smart articles including that one of course um, but things like Thank CSW Raid, put away rate, oh yeah, uh, uh, quotient to Carlos Mercado's thing, and, and twenty mm. million other, well, fifty, I guess, other pieces in yeah. one place. I uh, and so we're really excited to share that. Yeah, but um, but there, yeah, there's so many things I could rant with you about. I mean, I'm gonna have Chris Towers here oh, in my. this room, um, the murder room as Fast calls it, <laughs> for um, a live stream of the our debate about the Last Jedi. Oh my god, can I can I that.
2: join in on that? Because I well, well are no you gonna Chris be is, in New
1: York. Are you gonna I wish
2: I wish <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I know. Chris it's okay. Chris will say everything exactly. that I already am thinking, as he often does. I can't tell you how many times I see him tweet something and I'm like, Chris, how have we how are we having the exact same thought? It, it's pretty amazing like, how, all the time how much it's you ridiculous. guys have
1: in common. But um <laughs> but ridiculous. anyway. This is not a podcast where we're going to lose ourselves to the ramble. It could easily be 10 hours. We're not going to let us do that. No, we have 23 rounds to talk about. 23 players that you drafted in this pitchless mock draft. If you don't know the details, um, it's all below in the podcast description. You can also see the full draft board as well. Uh, But you drafted, uh, I believe, in the 11th spot. Yes, in the 11th spot of this 12-teamer, it's Yahoo standard rules. That means five by five. Three outfielders, two utility, uh, nine pitchers. We all have four bench spots. Um, it's five games started, ten games played. Two separate Otanis, and it's head-to-head. I think I went through all of that average and wins instead of the others. As standard yeah. as it gets. Why, Nick? Why? Because this is the foundation that we all build our our personal rankings on, or our personal leagues, and differentiate from there. So we needed some baseline. That's it. You went from the 11th spot, and correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, Palmer. You did not really have much of a choice in this 11th spot, or did you? Uh, I mean, I I guess
2: I did. I could have, you know. Did you have any options I, left? Not uh, not one, not any that made sense to me. I I ended up going with Mookie Betts, and he was there, and it was like the pick after me was Kyle Tucker, and right. I mean, I guess I could have maybe gone pitcher and gotten like you know Corbin Burns or Garrett Cole but I didn't really feel super comfortable with that and I felt like at 11 Mookie Betts was a great value mm-hmm. uh I mean you know I know he struggled this year uh comparatively I mean still had you know over 90 runs and uh hit 23 home runs and 10 steals but batted only 264 so you know I, I'm willing to to yeah, you, know, you know the ceiling is ridiculous with him and i'm willing to bet that he's going to bounce back to you know maybe it's not the 295 mookie bets but if you look at his Statcast data it's all pretty identical like you know barrel rate launch angle hard hit rate it's all pretty much the same as it's been in the past i just kind of feel like it was just a down year like just bad luck it happens sometimes and he's still on a great team where he's going to be able to score lots of runs and get lots of rbis
1: all that fun stuff i i mean i'll say this about mookie betts um yeah 23 runs as you said ten stone base 122 games 550 Mm -hmm. played appearances so you work that out it kind of is is a little bit like that 2019 season yeah in about uh 38 28 more games 29 home runs 16 stolen bases the runs are going to be likely above 100 RBI closer to 70 80 along those lines. Yeah. That's great. The average is obviously the major question 264 instead of yeah. 300 that we've seen in the past. Expected batting average was 258. Expected slugging was 436. And keep in mind, previous years we're talking around 500 or so. Yeah. I uh, So it did seem in line that like, it wasn't just bad luck or so that that Bookie Bats had this worse average and just kind of 14% home five ball raising to exceptional. Uh, but as you mentioned, yeah, maybe this is just a down year. Again, it's not a given that because you know X-Stats say that he should have had this low of an average, doesn't mean that he continuously will have this average, right? Um, so I'm with you that yeah, bets is a first rounder. Uh, if I were in your spot, I would probably be taking Mookie Betts too. There is a case about Kyle Tucker, sure, uh, but Mookie Betts seems like an incredibly high floor. What uh, what I meant to ask before though wasn't yeah. it about your pick; it was more about your spot. Oh, um, oh, oh. you oh. were. <laughs> and were yeah. you hoping to be at 11?
2: You know what? I actually don't mind being in the 11th spot. Um, I My least favorite spot to be is like right in the middle. Like basically where <laughs> yeah, you were. like are. seven or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate that. I would rather be near the Why? start Why or near that? the end. Because I, I can more accurately project who's going to be there on my next turn uh, each time. So when I'm at the 11th spot, I've got two picks until my next turn. So I can say, you know, I can look at the team at the 12th spot and say, okay, this is what they need. This is obviously later in drafts when they're, like, filling their final holes of what they need. Sure. I can say, okay, I I can get an idea of, you know, this guy, I can wait on him and grab this other guy. Uh, But more importantly, it makes me kind of uh, reach a tiny bit for the guys I like. Because I'll sit there and go, okay, I've got a lot of picks till my next turn. When I when it comes back to me, and I got to grab this guy now or he's gone. Like I just I know it's going to happen. When you're in the middle, you're kind of I don't know. Maybe he's gone. Maybe he's not. Are you saying the limbo of it? Yeah, the limbo of not sure. Yeah,
1: get the one that you want. Right. I feel.
2: Yeah, I feel like I can more accurately project. When uh, if a guy that I want to get is going to be gone by my next sure. pick, when I'm at the tail end of either, right?
1: I, I like it's more fun in the middle. You're always involved. You have to wait as long. True, it's always, that's true. And, and the the general feel of okay, fifth round target, sixth round target, etc., rings somewhat true uh, around that. Uh, you know, when you're in the middle, of course, that's yeah. shocking. More at eleven, yeah. so uh, I, I I tend to like it. I, I don't really know at this point. You know, generally there are certain spots that are better than others every year based on the 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 crop of talent and how the rounds shape out yeah um, I haven't decided quite yet where I like I will say I do definitively like the top seven more than the back five I think uh, uh sure yeah round. yeah
2: I can I can get that that's yeah i I've, I heard somebody say a long time ago that you never you'll never win your league. In the first round, but you will lose it.
1: Yeah, you'll. It is a draft, but you can't win
2: a draft. Right, uh, right. But I mean, like if you're if yeah. your first round pick, and this I think this more applies to football than it does baseball, but it still does Why apply to do baseball. <laughs> I know, it's stupid. Um, but I think it does. I it does still apply to baseball that if your first round pick craps out, uh, whether because of injury or just bad luck that is a uh, much more significant hit to your team uh, compared to the rest of the league than if your first round pick does what he's expected to do. Right. Because if everybody's first round pick does what they're expected to do, it's going to be roughly the same production all the way around. But if one of those drops out, that is a huge hurt to your team. And so
1: yeah. that, that's yeah. why That's why I'm avoiding Otani personally. But we're yes. going to move on to the second round. You went with Corbin Burns. I imagine with that first round pick of Betts, you thought, hey, Burns, Cole, if I get one of those, yep. I, I imagine Chris Weber isn't going to take both of them. So I could probably get one in this uh, second round pick.
2: Yeah, that was the thought. And this, I will say, generally speaking, in most drafts, I wait on pitching a little bit longer. I've never really been a guy um, who drafts a pitcher in the first couple rounds. Uh, because I feel like there's usually depth there, and I feel like I can kind of toy around later in drafts. so the way that, to be, Ben Palmer. I it's agree. However, that goes out the window when it's a pitcherless draft. Ha. Huh. 100% goes out the window because I have been through too many pitcherless mock drafts <laughs> and legacy league drafts
1: <laughs> where the pitching –
2: Goes away so
1: fast. It dries up because yes. everyone is so aggressive about it. They yes, they, they know my list. I guess they know like the conversation around it, so that they have yeah. this reference point and they can easily grab the things that you want. That yeah. makes sense. So,
2: so I reach for pitching in pitcherless drafts. It's it's a different strategy. <laughs> uh no,
1: not, okay fair enough i mean the goal of but, this draft is to be a generalized one yes not to take specific strategies against the it's staff, it's a it's enough. a minor
2: it's a minor adjustment but <laughs> i one of the things i like to do and i kind of wanted to try it out in this draft and see how it would shake out is i like to try and have one or two anchors on my pitching staff like like an ace that's a set him and forget him every time he's good i don't have to worry about him to kind of Bolster the more like you know sleeper types or middle of the road guys or maybe even some streaming that I might end up doing uh, to kind of balance things out. So I decided to try and reach a little bit for a top you know a top five top three pitcher in Corbin Burns who is incredible and just has so many great weapons uh, in his arsenal. I I always I always say when you're you know when you look at a pitcher you want him to have like one or two one like money pitch wipeout pitch another one that's very good hopefully and then like a solid fastball or something like that Corbin right. Burns has like everything is great
1: it is kind of <laughs> funny to me I mean the cutter we all know the cutter it's a 72 percent right, right strike rate 50 percent thrown essentially and it's just everyone knows how good it is but it is kind of funny. He has a curveball that he throws uh, for a call strike 21% of the time with a 41% CSW. It yeah. just surprises everyone. They don't expect this. They're trying to do things with a cutter that comes in at 95. All of a sudden, this 81-mile-per-hour pitch falls in. It has a at- batting average allowed just under 70, which is <laughs> nuts. <laughs> I know. Um, and then there is the slider. And this is the funniest thing about Corbin Burns to me. He has a, a breaking ball. That mm-hmm. has had consistently throughout his career has never been underneath a twenty five percent swing strike rate. Two thousand eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, always above twenty five percent. It was twenty eight percent in twenty twenty one, and he threw it nine percent of the time. Yeah, Th- that's it. That's that's that's. that's it blows well, and, my yes. mind. And he doesn't need to. He doesn't have to throw this pitch. It's because it's just so hard. For, for batters to expect this. They can just get this 70% strike rate on a slider. Oh, and he throws over the plate 41% of the time. And he yep. still gets a 70% strike rate. And it's on top of that, remarkable.
2: it's his best chase rate of his entire arsenal, 47.6% chase rate last year. Crazy. And a 26.9% swinging strike rate, also the best of his entire arsenal. And, and it's, it's a wild. pitch. It was his second least thrown pitch. If I mean, unless you... Don't count his four seamer that he barely ever threw. Then it's his least thrown pitch, like,
1: and it's yeah, and it's, it's still really good. Like, corn yeah, Burns has a very good repertoire. More, yeah, we're, we'll talk more another time about it. Yes. But the question, of course, is Cole versus Burns. I uh, the reason I have Cole at one is only because of the breadth of work. I imagine the yeah. the bumps in the road this year for for Garrett Cole are more just him dealing with the sticky stuff and this and that was just a weird year. And he still was very productive and still had a lot more strikeouts than Burns, if you can believe it. Uh, yeah. And that workhorse is necessary um, in fantasy. And while I'm not saying that Burns can't be pushed over 180, I mean, it was 167 this past year, I, I think it's a safe bet that Gary Cole's going to throw more innings than Burns next year. And who knows if, if Burns is going to replicate this exact ace than while well. Cole's just done it for a while, so...
2: Yeah, that's what I think I'm that's there. totally fair. I, uh, to me, be. yeah, exactly. That's my thought is I was like, yeah, which one do I want to go with? And it's basically a coin toss. I ended up going with a guy who I felt was a little bit more exciting to me personally. Um, and then, I mean, you know, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, part of it is he's in the National League, which is nice. Like it's that's maybe not as nice anymore. Well, maybe not as nice anymore. And see. also he's not a Yankee, so I don't want the root for a Yankee.
1: Ah, oh, there you go. All right, <laughs> now the truth comes out. Yeah, uh, It's a nice tiebreaker. Third round, uh, you went to Jordan Alvarez, and I've been actually looking forward to talking about it because I don't really jump into Jordan much. I remember avoiding him last year a lot because I was just worried about the injury history, and sure, generally just don't go after guys that I haven't seen having true elite seasons yet. Uh, but he had a fantastic one 33 home runs, 92 runs, 104 RBI. 144 games, which you, what, we'll take that. 600 plate yeah. appearances, just about. Uh, 24% K rate, 8% walk rate, so it's not quite the plate discipline we've seen in the past, but it was still an incredibly successful Jordan Alvarez season, and he has uh, outfield eligibility now. There's no more yep. about just the That's really nice. 41 games, so don't worry about what league you're in. And Jordan Alvarez, did you feel lucky that he was here in the third round, or do you feel like this was a, a target and uh, this is where you'll get him in drafts?
2: I think it's about where you'll get him... Um... Because of the injury history, I think that's going to scare people. Personally, I think he kind of proved to us this year he can play a whole year. Uh, I mean, like, he, you know, he did 144 games. He showed he can do it. I mean, obviously, that's not a guarantee that he will do it going forward. But, you know, he he showed that he can. It's not one of those things where it's like every single year you're like, well, you're only getting them for 100 games. And you just have to accept that he can do it. And he, you, we already know that he's an incredible hitter. Uh, and the fact that he's now outfield eligible on top of that just is icing on the cake, and that's why I took him in the third round. I, I usually try to avoid the DH only guys, especially early, just because it's kind of a headache to deal with. Um, but you know, and he's outfield eligible, dude had a 54.2% hard hit rate last year. Statcast, that's hard good. hit rate
1: that, that's it's that's ridiculous. pretty dang good. Now, I will say one thing, Palmer is one focus I have had, uh, and I generally have this as well. Is I avoid getting too um, too full on outfielders early, mm. where the the bigger need generally is certain positions where there's a larger gap in talent, and you just don't want to be caught ninth tenth round without a spot there before the cliff hits. Well, it's generally easier for outfielders to fill in, and you know the next round you did go Matt Olson at first base. Was there any sort of early round uh, plan that you had for certain positions or was it just best player available? Usually for me, it's, it's in the first few rounds, it's best player available
2: Um, with, with Alvarez. I just, I felt like the hitting production was so good. And the fact that he was outfield eligible, I was like, you know what? I'll grab him and then I'll just wait on outfielders. I'm good for, for a while. And I mean, the next outfielder I took was in the ninth round.
1: I mean, that's not too long, but all right. Yeah, it's not too long, but <laughs> I'm, then I'm I'm
2: completely joking. No, I mean, ninth round and then the 17th round. Right. So, you know, I was kind of like, whatever, you know, it, I'll just I'll just kind of wait because I've got these two guys, Mookie and uh, Alvarez that I can just hold off. So uh, but yeah, generally speaking, first few rounds, I'm just kind of going best best player available.
1: So you thought then that Matt Olson was the best player available at the start of the fourth round, this is the second pick in and talk to me about Matt Olson.
2: Yeah, so Matt Olson was. I mean, <laughs> I guess I, I kind of went power happy because then I grabbed the guy who hit almost forty home runs this year, <laughs> uh, on top of Alvarez who had hit almost like over thirty, thirty three, yeah, thirty three. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I I like I like grabbing power guys because they they also help with runs and RBI. Just be, you know. By nature of hitting there lots of home runs. You
1: hear it here first. You should get power, guys. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Because they also help with
2: friends. And yeah, that, that is the kind of hard-hitting analysis that I am known <laughs> there for.
1: There you go. Ben Palmer, everybody. Hot takes, hot or, takes. By the way, uh, where are you on Twitter? I don't think oh, you said that before.
2: Yeah, at Ben J Palmer at Twitter. There you go. And find Where you can that see more of these hot takes. Is
1: the Breaking Balls tweet
2: still pinned? It is not. It's my, um, I think it's my, when is it safe to stream
1: pitchers oh, yeah, or, that's or no. article, too, yeah
2: a different research article i did that was uh uh i don't oh, remember wow. what it was no wow. oh, i it forgot be the to break- change it, it should, it should so be the breaking much.
1: balls one just so you can see it was Yancy's for a long
2: time tweet. i know that was pretty great it was for a very long nice, time and then i was like i should probably change this no it was uh arm slot the arm slot piece oh nice there that's you it go. how much should but, uh, you care when a pitcher right. changes their arm
1: slot which is also um, another great one you should be reading uh and also by the way the reason i love that Yancy tweets because i Made a thread story, <laughs> yeah, which was Yancy also fantastic. Twenty eight days to come up with that for Absolutely week. hilarious. Anyways. Um. So
2: anyways, Matt Olson. Matt Olson. yeah yes. So, I think. <laughs> uh, I feel like with Olsen you kind of outside of a weird twenty twenty, which was you know weird for everybody, um, you kind of know what you're gonna get with Matt Olson. Now, obviously, he had a career year. And I'm not necessarily saying I think he's going to go 100-100 with runs in RBI again, um, but the power's there. You know he can. he's going to hit over 30 home runs, most likely. Uh, I could see the average dropping a little bit. Expected batting average was 261 compared to a 271 average. So, you know, maybe the average floats around in the 260s, but, you know, if he hits, you know, 35 Plus home runs, hits in the high two sixties or low two seventies. It's going to get a bunch of RBIs. Um, Yeah, I just—he's a good, productive hitter. It's as simple
1: as that. (laughs) There are a couple things that really surprised me. Um, It's not necessarily the uh, the home run power. We kind of expected Mendelson to be comfortably over thirty home runs this year. Um, The two seventy one average obviously is a little shocking, but he did drop his strikeout rate tremendously. We're talking twenty five percent in two thousand nineteen to just 17% in 2021, while the swing strike rate dropped a full tick from 11 to 10. Um, It looks really nice because it's 9.9, but it's 10, all right? (laughs) It's it's not that, but it's good to see Matt Olson hitting more grounders that are in 40% rate, a little bit less on the extreme fly ball. Actually, really that's just eating into line drive rate. So I'm not going to actually give him credit. Well, for But, that his, one. but, but his, his home run fly ball rate even dropped. He hit a
2: career best home run right. and he still had a, he had a 19.3% home run fly ball,
1: which is, for that yeah. is the volume of course going at yep. 673 yep. plate appearances versus 2019's fantastic season. Well, he only got 547 then. But the pull rate went way down. That was actually the big shocker to me, and I think it's part of the reason why he was all right in average. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, what you see is these giant fifty percent pull rates, guys that really go upper forties or so, and that means they're selling out for power more, and you normally see that with higher swing strike rates and mm-hmm. a little bit more of an ISO and all. But he did pull down from—I I, mean—from yeah. <laughs> uh, fifty-two percent down to forty-point-four uh, percent, which is dramatic. Yeah. Um, if you ask me, and that, that's that's a good thing to see uh, from Matt Olsen as he swing a little bit more. So I, 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 the reason I bring up all these things is just that the approach changed for Matt Olson. Yep. And no, it's yep. as you mentioned, it's likely not going to be over 200 combined runs in RBI again, probably. not. Right. And maybe it's not a 271, but I think that 160, 195 average we saw in 2020 for Matt Olsen, that's a thing of the past. Don't worry yep. about that. It, it will likely be a a, a very stomachable average with legitimate home run run and RBI production and that's pretty cool is it worth fourth round yeah i think so i think that's about right
2: yeah i mean i think you're gonna get uh essentially what (laughs) the offensive production that i'm expecting out of jordan alvarez minus with with a lower average yeah you know that sounds uh, sounds right so and i mean like i took alvarez in the third round so (laughs) why wouldn't i take olsen you know fill my first base spot if i'm expecting almost the same production
1: Right, so it's it's. I'm trying to get a mental uh, a mental map of the hitters that I think are legitimate first, second, or third round value. Yeah, um, and generally that extends past the third round. So, uh, as I see the board right now, uh, yeah, Alvarez, Olson, Teoscar Hernandez, correct, George Springer, yep, maybe Whit, Whit, Whit Merrifield. I don't know. I want to call him Mitt I <laughs> Maybe him, Paul Goldschmidt. Yes, I don't know about Pete Alonso. Uh, yes, uh, Nick Castellanos. I'm not sold on Lau. Austin Riley's maybe there. Yeah, maybe some Jose Altuve. But that, may, and maybe Max. Yeah, Max Muncy probably too. But that's kind of where it ends, I think. Um, yeah. And the reason I'm mentioning that is wherever that line is is when I'm going to get my first starting pitcher, I think. So I I need that to figure sense. that out. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why I went ultimately. Uh, Jack Flaherty in the sixth, but I need to kind of see like Kettle Marte, Anthony Rendon, Wander Franco, Bregman, Eloy Jimenez, Giancarlo Stanton. Are they part of that? I don't think so. Uh, so that, yeah, that's kind of why yeah. that's where there's I, I'm a lot of there's questions about all those
2: guys that I think right. keep from that. Yeah.
1: So anyway, so you got Matt Olsen, part of that crew. That sounds great. Fifth round comes and it's, huh, of course it is. Of course Ben Palmer, the. <laughs> The Orioles fan went after Kevin Gaussman.
2: Look, I mean I could have just been bitter that he's not with the Orioles, but no, no 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 no, that's not how you guys work at all. That's right. That's right. No, we we uh we accept that the Orioles will always trade away players and then they will be good after they get traded away. Uh no, <laughs> I, I I love what Gaussman did. He kind of like it's funny, he like finally figured out the the best way to utilize his repertoire and that's to just use a fastball and a splitter or that split change just over and over again. And that split change is absolutely filthy. Uh, And it works clearly. It works really well. two, eight, one ERA. You know, I, I don't necessarily think he really is a sub three ERA guy, but I think he easily is a low to mid threes ERA guy with great strikeout numbers uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with him as kind of my second anchor in a way, you know, I just, he's got, he's got a thing that works. He pitches in the best pitchers park in baseball most of the time. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. I think realistically what I would expect from him next year is probably, you know, like I said, mid threes ERA with good strikeout numbers and uh, and that's at worst. I, I mean, I think he could easily be a
1: three two ERA, three three ERA guy. Sure. I mean, two eighty one ERA this year. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And yeah, you know, and of course, two thousand twenty suggested at times with it, but it was a weird season of of opponents and everything for the three six two and one eleven um, last year. But the thirty two percent strike rate pretty much stuck around at twenty nine percent for Kevin Gaussman. Yeah. The funny thing about him, ha ha. Um, is uh, there's a joke or at least a myth that goes around about that I hate splitters, <laughs> and it's it's it, it's a myth because it comes without often the the important variable at the end, or the final words, which is as a number two pitch. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when it's a number two pitch as a splitter. Why? Because a splitter is by far the most volatile pitch of any uh, any repertoire as far as just hardest to get it to move and in the right location every time. The only person I'm okay with it is Kevin Gaussman because I think it's the best splitter in baseball. It's the most consistent one I've seen over the years. This past year, 24% swing strike rate on it, and it's just always been above 22%. Pretty much always above a 30% CSW's incredible batting average allowed, and he's done so with 35% plus usage on it. And the reason why I think that splitter works so well is because Kevin Gaussman has elite strike numbers on his fastball. It's a 70% plus strike rate on heaters that forces batters to be aggressive when they see that splitter start in the zone. And if you don't have that excellent heater, which you really added last year in 2020, yeah, uh, always under 94 miles per hour, say for his 2017 season, and then Gaussman in 2020, 95 uh, plus fastball 94.6 last year. That really changed everything. Uh, and it really it getting those early strikes and not getting destroyed by it allows you then to throw a splitter as your number two and get away with it. And that's not going to go away. Uh, I think we need to also remember that this year Kevin Gaussman was doing great. You know, he had, a, a, I think he set a record for starting a season um, mm. or consecutive starts of one earned runner or fewer uh, yeah. mid-season between the 24th and the 5th of the season. Uh, but then he had, you know, he had to step away for a moment. He and uh, his 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 wife was giving birth, uh, and it kind of messed him up a little bit in in the middle of the season. And then it took him a moment to get back on track. But the end of the season, super well, everything was fine. Um, I th- I think it was just this weird moment. that he didn't have a splitter again, and then he got back to it. And by the end, he was again two eighty one ERA. So Kevin Gaussman should feel great. You're going to get lots of innings. You know, yep. anyone that's really terrified of him and think, oh, it's not really, it's not legit. It's not here to stick around. Oh, the passive. Ah, throw that out the window. I totally. The thing with
2: with Gaussman has always been, I mean, when he was in Baltimore, it was like, okay, this this splitter is amazing. And it was when he was in Baltimore. But he can't just have one pitch. He's got to, He's got to supplement it. Or at the very least, he's got to command his fastball. And he had trouble commanding that fastball. It was getting torched. Even if it was, you know, going for weak contact some of the times, it was, you know, usually had a fairly high ISO against it. Right. And then now he's figured out how to induce weak contact, how to limit the, the big hits and the home runs against that fastball. And so now that works in concert with the splitter really, really well.
1: It was so uh, it's, it's the highest yeah. pval we've seen from Gaussman's fastball, which I normally don't quote, but I think it's just an overall, income, you know, uh, package to say that this yeah. was a good pitch. Fourteen point oh, two it, pval yeah. for results. that's a
2: ridiculous pval for a fastball. Yeah, it's like, really good. Real and yeah, good.
1: Ben, do you play in the uh, the pval draft with us? I think you do.
2: <laughs> I do. Yeah. I. Uh, it's funny. It's one of those things where like I do the pval draft and then I forget who I drafted because it's not something you manage every day. <laughs> And so it's a fun surprise at the end of the season where, like, I look at it and go, oh, huh. <laughs> right. So
1: I'm actually I'm actually looking at it right now. I'm going to surprise you as my eighth oh, round yeah. pick. Do you know what my eighth round pick was? Not a clue. Corbin Burns' cutter. Wow. In the eighth round. Eighth round. Yep. Huh. So I uh, this is the most fun draft, everyone. I, I talked about it on the first pitch Arizona episode. We do it every year. Anyone can do this. It's not You don't need a fantasy league or something. It's just a best ball. You just get whoever you want, and I'll, I, we can show you how we structure our rosters. But you have to select individual pitches, and then all you do, you just fill it out, a roster of fastballs and sliders and so on. And whoever has the highest total p in the end wins. So I came in second by like one, like 110 to 111. I'm really upset about it. You because... know, it's funny. I never actually, I I didn't look at the results.
2: I'm looking <sighs> at I'm looking at the draft right now.
1: You um, you were not good. <laughs> it, it Did not not go well for you, <clears throat> Palmer. Yeah. Um, you know, I know what really brought me down. What messed me up? What was that? I there there's a pick you make that is regression. That is someone who had a positive p value and whatever negative points they get is positive for you, right? It's just the inverse. And I took Antonio Sensatello's four seamer, and that did well. It, huh. I, I lost points on that. <laughs> if I literally oh, didn't man. have to make that pick, I would have
2: won. Yeah, wow. I, uh, geez. Oh, yeah, I, I had Gosman's splitter.
1: So, you know, there you go. What? At I'm so to... shocked. That was the real transition here. You took your, his splitter in this, and you had a good season. Man, and, I took Adrian Hauser's sinker in the second round. I don't think that worked out. No, I, I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> think it did. But seventeen point five points for Gausman's splatter yeah. this past year. Uh, but we're going to move on to your next round, and guess yeah. who that was? The fun of it all, Wander Franco.
2: Yeah, yeah, us. yeah. I felt like getting him in the sixth round is fantastic value, given what like we think he can probably do. I mean, sure. Obviously, he only played 70 games this year uh, and and still, I mean, was really good in 70 games, seven home runs, hit 288, uh, you know, 53 runs. That's like, that's great. And I think he clearly could be, you know, the ceiling is obviously crazy high with him. But I think realistically next year. Does he hit 20 home runs with like 15 plus? Maybe he goes 20-20. I mean, it's definitely possible. He's got the speed to do it and hits with a great average. I just It's one of those guys who I think truly could be a five-category contributor. Not, not, a, not a stud in a single category, but a guy who gives you good numbers everywhere. And, sure. and I, I love that. In the sixth round, I'll take that all day.
1: Um, so first of all, I want to mention Kevin Gaussman is a seal of approval. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> the last of like I the Oh yeah. I was upset. I was kinda of sad to see him go and I had to get another guy the next round. But yeah, you got that. Kevin Gaussman, awesome. Fifth round. If I know that every time I'm taking it. Um Wanda Franco is the last, I think, of the very secure shortstops. And you can say, Nick, what not secure? We don't really know what he's capable of yet. Well, he had 53 runs and 300 play appearances last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Um, a 12% strikeout rate and 8% walk rate, 350 uh, on base. So he's going to be on base constantly. He's going to improve it from this. We don't think that he's hit the peak. That's not even close yet. Just an 8.3 homer to fly ball rate, which I will say from the minors, never a real high homer to fly ball rate in, from what yeah. we've seen. I uh, so we don't quite know, but we just think the development is just going to come. I mean, he was 20 years old this year, uh, he's 21 next. We just know yeah. this guy's dilemma, as you mentioned, kind of like the Juan Soto effect of uh, just mm-hmm. incredible plate discipline. Um, only seven percent swing strike rate of this past year. I uh, there's more to come, and with the next guys being Javier Baez, Carlos Correa, uh. Jorge Polanco, Jazz Chisholm, Adalberto Mondesi, Franco just has something else uh, to it yeah. that uh, that is very exciting. I don't know if I'm going to be going after it. I uh, I could because it's fun, but <laughs> yeah. the you know in my heart I'm like just get you know don't chase that thing. Don't take chase the the shiny squirrel. So I think as Rob said to me <laughs> two, three years ago. I go and get like the sturdy thing, um, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I will enjoy every moment of Wander Franco like, destroying the majors, and I hope it happens next year.
2: Yeah, I, I tend to also be fairly risk averse in drafts, um, though I've been kind of coming out of my shell in that a little bit the past like couple years. Uh, but in the sixth round, I'm like I can't I can't pass up on the potential of getting a five category guy uh, like Wander Franco. So I was like, all right, fine. I'm not going to reach for him in the fourth or fifth round, uh, which I could see people doing because that tends to happen with really hyped up young guys. Uh, but in the sixth round, I'll take it.
1: So seventh round, you went with another young talent. And really, I did. Uh, there's, there's a lot to like. There's also some question marks that I wonder how it'll play out. This is Jazz Chisholm Jr., who... I will not forget climbing the ladder to knock 100 miles per hour out of the park from Jacob deGrom earlier this year. Um, 18 home runs, 23 stolen bases uh, in 124 games uh, is going to be your second baseman for this team. Gets has, a both, has both shortstop and second base eligibility. But it is a 250 average that he had this year with 29% strikeout rate and a 7% walk rate we hope of course that that can get better in time but it does seem a little bit questionable right now if that average is going to pull up to the 270 plus range yeah
2: i mean i i honestly i the average is definitely a concern especially he had an expected batting average of 233 last year like it Ooh. was it was rough um but this was a point where i was i was looking at my team and i was like i need speed you know i i like i said i hope uh, Wander is a 2020 guy. So there's definitely speed there. And obviously Mookie will give me a little bit of speed. He's not what he used to be, but he'll give me a hand double digit steals probably. But I need a guy who's going to give me a good chunk of steals and jazz at the very least. will do that. Uh, 23 steals last year. I think he's, you know, long as he gets the at bats uh, and his average doesn't absolutely plummet uh, even more. I think he's going to get, he's a lock for 20 to 30 steals. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's a 2020 guy. He pretty much showed that last year 18 home runs, 23 yeah. steals. He's a 2020 guy. Uh, I just hope he can, you know, keep hitting around like 250. Uh, and if he does that, I'm fine with that. The definitely the strikeout rate is a concern. He, you know, 33.4% chase rate, not great. Swing and strike rates, not great. Uh, so there's definitely plate discipline concerns, but. You know, he's 23. He'll be 24 next year uh, during the season. So, you know, there's time he can he can improve
1: uh, and the raw the raw talents there. So um, I'm happy to take that for second base. There's also the fact of I mean, yeah, his own improvement, as you're mentioning. I don't want to undervalue that. I expect the Marlins offense to be better next year than it was this Mm. year. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's a I guess young so that. crew and I would imagine a lot of them are going to get more opportunity and get better. I have to think the Marlins recognize how good their rotation is that they need to start. This is now the window and now when you start trying to get a, a legitimate hitter or two to make a push, a push a legitimate one. So cuz yep. cuz who is their most expensive free agent now? I, oh jeez. Right? It's like, $8 I have no idea. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, probably something it, it's like something that. Something crazy. And uh, there's a lot of hitting talent out there. Yeah, um, I'm trying to. Serious uh, push that help out Jazz and make sure that the runs in RBI total could hint uh, well above 180. Uh, that'd yeah. be pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, anybody on their team that has, like, a big contract. I mean, I don't know. Does Brian Anderson have
1: a big contract in front of me? But, yeah, Jazz Chisholm going the seventh round sounds about right to me. I mean, great point about the speed, and you didn't really have too much at the moment.
2: Yeah, that was that, was, that was definitely a concern. That was a concern for me at that point. It was like, oh, crap, I've got no speed.
1: Yeah, and I like uh, Jazz. I mean, so, it's not, yeah. not definite that he's going to hit 250. You know, there is still room yeah. for more.
2: There's definitely room for him to improve, and he's going to hit at the top of that lineup that, like you said, is likely going to get better. So I just I think, yeah, I think there's just nothing to go nowhere to go but up for him.
1: I don't really love the hitters now either. I really don't. Hmm. Uh, That's why the next round, I think, uh, between, I mean, with Rodgers at the end of the uh, seventh round to Ryan Mountcastle, the third pick of the ninth. Uh it's just Conforto, Schwarber, Hanneger, and Edmund. Everything else is a starting pitcher. Which <laughs> yeah. is I think the room understanding how you know hitting was uh you know not nearly as good to get as far as starters. So you went with one of those as well. Joe oh, Musgrove good. in the eighth inning. Sorry, eighth inning. Oh my <laughs> God. We're recording this close to eleven PM. It's all good. Uh, on Monday, the first of November, so I apologize. Well, Joe Musgrove is here, and look at this. You have Gaussman and Musgrove. They were pretty much neck and neck entering 2021. They both excelled and are now way higher for 2022. Uh, how do you like Joe Musgrove?
2: I like him. I uh, I think, you know, he's another guy similar to Gaussman where I think he's going to be probably – I think he's going to be more of a mid-threes ERA guy, mid to high threes than than Gaussman, who I think is like low threes but another guy who's going to have good strikeout numbers uh, you know, he had the three, one, eight ERA, but it came with a three, seven, fit three, six, nine Sierra. I think that's probably more in the range of who he is, but he's got, he's got good stuff. He's got a great, uh, he loves, he's, he was pitching backwards this year, which I love leading with the slider and the curveball ahead of his fastball. Oh man. Did he ever? Yeah, man. Oh and it was great. I mean, it's the thing I've, said this a thousand times and it's i get so tired of guys who have bad fastballs throwing their bad fastball a thousand times (laughs) when they have a great slider and a curveball and i'm like stop throwing your bad fastball and getting crushed and it's like i don't know what's happening it's like you're throwing a (laughs) terrible pitch and it's getting hit all of the time right so they kind of stopped doing that his fastball you know hasn't been great at all uh you know the past couple years so he started throwing his slider and curveball a bunch. Both of them had uh, swinging strike rates uh, above, well, not above 15%. Curveball was right at 15. Sliders at 18.5. Both had solid uh, to great chase rates. They're just good pitches, and it made uh, his fastball easier to stomach. I don't even think the fastball was... All I uh, three eighty six woba again. So he's did he had some trouble with it two twenty seven iso. You don't love that, but this is another guy who pitches in a great pitcher's park. Um, so that helps as well. And you know i i like my i like my big strikeout guys, even if they so, come with slightly higher eras. Sometimes. So
1: Joe Musgrove is a CSW darling. Um, thirty three percent CSW across his entire repertoire. A lot of his pitches are above thirty percent. Um. I, 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 there are a couple of things that give me hesitation to Joe Musgrove. Um, the first is some might forget if you did not roster Musgrove this year, it got kind of annoying. <laughs> uh, the, fi- the final seventeen starts for Joe Musgrove was a four hundred two ERA with a one three WHIP, eight point five percent walk rate, twenty four percent K rate. Not as pristine. As the season-long 323 ERA 106 whip, 27% K rate, 7% walk rate. And I think it's a product, I, this is going to sound crazy, of not throwing his fastball enough.
0: <laughs> I,
1: I think uh, Joe Musgrove found himself not as effective with his slider and curveball as he would like and found himself being a little too inefficient. At times that led to a lot of these walks. Uh, I mean, we we saw a four game stretch in September, five walks, three, three, three. I uh, and it's just uh, he hasn't quite unlocked how to utilize all of his excellent pitches quite yet. You know, uh, slider and curveball they're great, really are. Thirty four percent CSW on that slider through twenty percent of the time, twenty percent swing strike rate on it. O swing of forty three percent zone rate of forty four. It's a money pitch curveball 47% zone rate with a near 20% called strike rate not a big o swing pitch 29% but just a 120 batting average allowed 159 on the slider right uh the cutter has been used as a called strike pitch 23% called strikes that's good okay but if you watch the every start it felt that he didn't really know what was going to work on a given day um and it kind of messed them up and i think Turning to just twenty percent fastballs, I think batters kind of figured this out. Oh, it's not. I shouldn't be looking at heat anymore. I should be looking more off speed. And once you do, you know this isn't talked about enough. I think. Um, when's the last time you heard an announcer say to to come up in the box? Because hmm. that's what you're supposed to do with a guy like Joe Musgrove. You're supposed to go instead of normally in the back of the box to give yourself more time against the heater. You're, when you know the guy's throwing junk or he's throwing slower, you're supposed to go up to the front of the box to get your timing back for the slower yeah. stuff and give it less time to fall and, and move than it normally would. And I, I I mean, this is just me, pseudo analytics, what's up? <laughs> I have to think that guys are understanding it's a 19% force in rate, 8% sinker, so it's under 30% for the fastballs. I'll take my chances at a 70% slower pitch now, And move up the box. And I think that messed them up a little bit. I think it gave them better swings and made it more of an an inefficient thing. And I think there's a better mix on the way. I hope it arrives. But I don't think it's as clear for Joe Musgrove as we want it to be when we see a 323 ERA, 106 whip, 181 innings. This is not finished yet. We're not quite there. All that said, the guys after... It's not finished for any of them,
2: right? 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 I mean, this at this point in the draft, yeah, there's definitely going to be question marks about a lot of guys. And the thing, one of the things I like about Musgrove, I, I tend to like. You've said in the past, and I've always referenced this, that uh, there are two generally two types of pitchers: pitchers and throwers. Mm. And I like the guys who tweak with their repertoire and their approach, and are and are really thinking about how they're pitching and what they're pitching rather than just throwing the ball in there and saying like, I don't know what's going wrong. I'm throwing a hundred. And clearly Musgrove is one of those pitchers who's tweaking things. He's working on things. And almost always when guys with great stuff are doing that, they eventually figure it out or at least figure it out to a point where they're pretty consistently successful. And I think Musgrove could be that there's definitely the potential for that. He's got the great stuff. And I, and I like to, With pitchers, I tend to trust the stuff, Uh, and I think he could get there. One thing, while you were talking, I I looked this up. I was curious about this. One thing that's interesting to me about Musgrove is when he's struggling, you usually figure it out right away. His first time through the order, he has a three nine seven ERA. Second and third time through the order, uh, ERA is below three.
1: There you go. Uh, so yeah, he it's he, a process. He finger, figures out what's working for him, yep. and then he throws that. But that that to me is a little annoying. Of just, <laughs> I want you to have the the approach yep. and to stick to that. You know, sure you can change a little bit more in game over time, but not. It, it does bother me, and I will say he's on the side of two extremes now. Because when he was on the Pirates, that's what we were shouting for. He was fifty percent hmm. plus fastballs, know, sinkers, and four seamers. And all he says, like, no, you have this amazing slider and your curveball's actually pretty good too. And just throw those. Yeah. So he finally comes over to San Diego, throws a lot more curveballs, more sliders, more introduces this cutter this year, really, and pulls back on the fastballs. And I'm like, okay, throw more fastballs again. And it's like I could just see him turning around and looking at me. I'm like, what do you want, man? <laughs> Pick a lane. Come on. Yeah, yeah I, the, the thing that's encouraging to me is,
2: like, if he's able to maintain, like, still be really strong second and third time through the order, then you know that stuff is legit. Like, yeah, it's not maybe. something that guys are figuring out as the game goes on, and, and I, like, right. I like that. So that, that encourages me, like, this stuff is good. If he keeps tweaking it and working on it, there really could be some good stuff there.
1: Absolutely. Um. So, all right, we're going to move on here. I, yes. I, there, there are some uh, injury questions still, but I'm not going to talk about that because everyone has it, and I'm not even going to. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Hopefully, Joe Musgrove pitches another 180. All right. Ninth round is Austin Meadows. Talk to me about Austin Meadows. Yeah, so... Um, I kinda I it's it's
2: funny. I'm trying to think back to exactly my thought process at that exact time. I I like Meadows, I like the stuff that you know clearly good hitter average is a little scary, you know, hit 234, came with a 249 Babbit, but at the same time, you know, two thirty-seven expected batting average. That's a little rough, but aside from that he's going to hit for power. Uh he's on a good offense. Hit a, had 106 RBI last year. I think you're going to get good uh offensive production from him. I'm hopeful that average will start climbing back up. I mean the guy hit 291 in 2019 uh and then obviously hit 205 in 2020, so there is precedent for this, but uh, you know, I'm hopeful it's going to climb up a bit. Maybe as that Babbitt climbs up a bit, he's a career 296 Babbitt guy. So 249 feels really low. Um, but yeah, you know, home run fly ball rate, maybe that'll climb up a tiny bit. I just think I could see him improving in the ways that he needs to a bit next year. And if, I get next year exactly what we got in 2021. That's still a very serviceable outfielder for my fantasy team.
1: So uh, I, with Austin Meadows, yeah, um, uh, there there are two things I'm afraid of. One, um, he's not good against lefties, and the Rays know mm. it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he does get platooned a little bit. Um, the second thing is I I don't like chasing. Or drafting guys who I don't really see much more growth from here. I mean, maybe the average does come back uh, as, you're, as you're talking about. It it seems too shaky to me um, at the moment. Especially considering that I think the real value here is the 106, 106 RBI. And who knows how much he's going to be sitting third for the Rays moving forward. I think that can't yeah. change. Uh, which then means all of a sudden, okay, 25 to 30 home runs and combined 160 runs in RBI, and it's up to 50 average. And it doesn't feel like a ninth rounder to me there. At the same yeah, time, no, I can get that. He could, you know, I could be completely undervaluing the 2019 season of a 291 average, 12 stone bases in there, 170 combined runs in RBI, and 33 home runs. And that that could be the case too. I think this is also a product of the hitters getting worse now. Hmm. Uh, it was just yeah. super annoying. Um, were there any other guys that you were considering here? Um, you know,
2: kind of, sort of. Uh, Mount Castle. You know, when when uh before he you, got picked, no obviously. Way. I know, I know. I think Mount Castle's totally legit and could get better. So I was I was flirting with that idea because I I believe, without knowing off the top of my head, I believe he qualifies for outfield.
1: Hmm. Um, take a look at that.
2: I'm not a hundred percent certain. Uh, I don't remember how much the Orioles put him in the outfield. Maybe, maybe not.
1: He does 20 games. Okay, good. Yeah. That's a, yeah.
2: So, you know, I, I like him, but uh, yeah, I would say of all of the picks I had, Meadows is definitely one of the ones where I feel kind of shaky on it, where I feel kind of like, Oh, maybe that wasn't the best pick. I think there's still some potential there. And if that average climbs up, that he's still a very solid outfielder. But um, I can definitely understand, you know, not feeling great about this pick because I don't necessarily feel great about it myself.
1: So what we're doing is we are flushing meadows. Okay, uh, tenth <laughs> round is Blake Snell, and I mean I'm a I'm a bit of a Blake Snell fan. You might have heard of it. I <laughs> uh, is uh, I I'm looking at the draft now. Blake Snell went. Then Gallen, Molly, Luis Garcia, Ranger Suarez, uh, Jose Arquidy, Shane Boz, Sonny Gray before your next pick. Uh, yeah. I, I think if I can get Snell on the 10th, I'm all for this. I mean, did you, how'd you feel about this one?
2: I, I liked it a lot. So I was kind of looking at grabbing one more pitcher uh, here. This is kind of, <laughs> I try to, I try to later in drafts, I tend to go a little more balanced, I guess, a little bit before I get to my sleepers. And so I'll often go like pitcher, hitter, pitcher, hitter, which I did the next few rounds to kind of like fill things out. And I wanted to go for a pitcher here and Snell was there and I liked him a lot more than I liked, you know, any of the guys who came right after him, the, you know, Gallon, Amalek, Garcia, all them, you know, it, obviously Snell struggled a lot this year, four two zero ERA, but guys still had the strikeouts, you know, that walk rate jumped way up which you don't love. So there's obviously lots of question marks. It's why he went later in drafts and not like, you know, at the top of drafts like he has in the past, but you know, two ER, uh, three, eight, two FIP. I mean, is encouraging. The guy still has nasty stuff. He's still got a great slider, a really good fastball, you know, kind of hope that the curveball can get better, but, You know, I I just see a lot more potential in him than I saw in some of the other guys around the same spot.
1: So I felt like 10th round was pretty good value for him. So starting on August 3rd, when Blake Snell said, you know what? I'm going to throw 72% fastballs and 20% sliders and 7% curveballs and 1% changeup. So one changeup pretty much. Yeah. I, through the end of the year and I will I will say it was came to be about 60% fastballs, 30% sliders and 10% uh curveballs by the end. He just stopped throwing the changeup. 183 ERA across 44 innings with a .77 WHIP and a 40% K rate. That's pretty yeah. good. Uh, that you know that's that's something you might want to strive for. He did yeah. get injured uh, in that game against the Dodgers, faced two batters, got them out and then left the game. Uh, so I don't even want to consider that one, but it's really seven starts that he did all this stuff, and multiple four of them were at least seven innings. Um, yeah, four and double-digit st- double strikeouts.
2: I was going to say the three games before that Dodgers start were ten plus strikeouts each, he and over seven seven innings, innings or more. It.
1: Yeah, and what he did was he said, "All right, I'm just going to throw strikes now. I'm not going to nibble. I'm going to do the Robbie Ray." And it's funny, the guy with the blueprint name took someone else's blueprint. I <laughs> uh, but this is this is what works. Um, and I will say it is still the Blake Snell blueprint now, actually, because it is curveballs are involved, and he is doing just fastballs, <laughs> get him over the plate, get him on the higher side of it, and then throw secondary pitches underneath. Blake Snell is doing that. It's very easy for us to say, "Come on, Nick, the full season was 4.20 ERA with a 132 WHIP. All right, it was it was very tough to handle." The idea that all of a sudden that he's now this new man because of the recency bias that you have is ridiculous. It is not. This is a man who clearly has figured this out. Now, the biggest the biggest thing that I would understand, anyone objecting to Blake Snell in the 10th round would say is he's an injury risk. And sure. that is something that is very true. Just one season of 130-plus innings uh, for Blake Snell, 129, 180, 107, 50. Hey, the main 11 starts. And then 128, 9 again. So it, it, he's not used to the heavy workload. 180 might be a little too just suggestive. Maybe 160, 170. It may be a little bit safer to say. But there's no real reason he can't go 180. I think the Padres would allow him to if he you know, has enough health to do so. But the production of it. Ah, and I, I I will say also, it's really 26 starts of one twenty eight, So it's not necessarily even just that's still 26 starts. Yes. Yeah. The low IPS. Yeah. Blakes now, but he seems, he, he seems to be fixed to me. And I do think that Blake still might fall farther than the 10th round. And um, yeah, you know, I could, well.
2: I, I feel like there is often the case where a player who was drafted highly burns you. They then fall like way down. Mm. rather yeah, too, than the pendulum swings too far to the yep it does and i think that's gonna happen to blake snell where people are like this guy he burned me he sucks <laughs> and uh and he's gonna fall to like the 10th round or something and i am more than happy to take a risk on blake snell's upside in the 10th round like just i, I it doesn't even seem like that much of a risk to me frankly i feel like i can you know Full around and get other pitchers if Blake Snell doesn't pan out. But you know the, like you said, I mean he he figured things out later in the season. He's got great strikeout numbers. If he ends up pitching like you said, 160 to 170 innings, and is like a mid to high three ERA guy, I, which I think he could be with great strikeout numbers, I'll take that all day.
1: Yeah, uh, he, he's uh, this is a seal of approval from me. Congrats, you got another. Thank you. Um, There was a chance that I could have made Blake Snell my fourth starter, and I would have been so thrilled about this. Uh, (laughs) I I could have had Flaherty, McClanahan, Morden, and Snell, and it would have—you know—Snell could have been my best pitcher. I, I really have to make sure that people, you can, you can understand, you can make Snell your fourth starter and still go hitters the first five rounds. Like that Mm. is an opportunity, yeah, (laughs) that everyone can have, Um, and. Uh, Blake, so I, th- I really do believe this is actually a year where it really comes together, a la Robbie Ray kind of thing. So don't don't rule it out, y'all. Um, all right, eleventh round, Yuan Makata. As you said, you're going to go back and forth. You're going to do this. Um, yeah, fill in some spots. So you didn't have a third baseman, and here he is. Yep.
2: Yeah, I uh, I I needed a third baseman, and I I didn't love what was out there uh except yoan Mankata. Mancata the thing with Mankata is like we've been talking about his potential for a long time and it's easy to forget that he's he's still only 26 like he, he just oh, he wow. because he i know he, because he's one of those guys who like you know jerks and Profar was this for a long time uh a, you know they enter the league young and they're around for a while, and you are like, God, that guy must be thirty by now, and he's like twenty five, right. because he entered the league at nineteen or whatever. So, uh, Mancata is one of those guys, and you know, I I was all about him coming into this season because I thought, you know, twenty twenty, he got COVID. It, it seriously affected his game. He said as much. He was like, I I you know had so much trouble playing even after covid i think he was struggling from long covid a bit uh and then this year he turns in kind of a okay season you know 14 home runs hits 263 74 runs is good 61 rbi fine 375
1: on on base percentage and
2: 370 on by yeah now that's good i do love the uh improved walk rate uh and so in especially in if you're in an obp league i think he's a great grab uh, but in a standard league, I think he's, he's still got the potential for better. I, I, I'm kind of giving up on the potential for steals that, you know, we all used to think he had, at least for now, until he shows it. Uh, but I still think he could be like a 260s hitter with 20 to 25 home runs. Maybe, you know, with the potential for more. Again, the guy's twenty-six. Like it yeah. it it is would not be crazy if he suddenly turned it on so and it was twenty nineteen Yuan
1: all over again. I, I don't know. The, it could the be fly ball rates have fallen for Yaman yeah. down to thirty percent. We've seen anywhere between thirty-five and forty percent from him in the past. Um that helped push up the Babip to so that he had a two sixty-three average. Yeah. Um, this past year. Strikeout rates are still over 25%. Yep. Uh, fewer fly balls and just a 13% homer fly ball rate explains the, the lack of power. I do wonder if the, the White Sox are going to change their order. So he batted second for them this past year, mostly. Yeah. Um. And maybe we'll see a lot of those six. He did jump down to that at times. Um. I think against the lefties he did. Um, switch hitter, but they had other options that they felt more comfortable as a righty. I'm going against the lefty, but... I I don't know. It, it, it's it's not the it's not the worst, but I think honestly, I think your fourteenth round third baseman is better uh, than Makata mm. and we'll talk about that in a moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. That it, that was a weird. <laughs> we'll talk about that, but that was a weird thing where like I don't. Remember drafting two third baseman, but I did clearly. Yeah, it was a brain fart moment, but uh, um, no, it, I, it wasn't bad because you have one on the util spot. That's fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and maybe it was kind of me hedging my bets because I don't feel super, super great about Mankata. I'm but I mean, say that
1: you were smart for doing so, yeah. Well, yeah,
2: we'll pretend like it was me being smart, but I mean, like you know, the guy had a solid first half of the season, at least he hit you know, 272. There wasn't a whole lot of power there, just a 118 ISO, but the, the, but the power turned on in the second half with a 181 ISO. So if we could get him to, like, combine the two and turn on the power with a good average, who knows? It just When I was looking at the available third baseman, I was like, I really got to grab a third baseman with this pick. And sure, Mankata, you know, the floor, I think, is kind of fine, uh, you know, I don't think, I think I throw 2020 out the window because of him having COVID and all that. I'm, I'm not even thinking about it. So, you know, if his, if I get exactly what I got in 2021, okay. You know, but I definitely think there's still potential for him to be better. We've seen him do it, obviously. And so, yeah, that was kind of the thinking there.
1: So, all right. So, so there we are coming around back. You say, I'm going to do balance. It's Wasker and Noah. And I will say, this is before a very interesting round of pitchers. We have Justin Verlander and Mike Clevenger, a pair of injury guys, Mm. where we don't really know where they'll fall um, come February and March. We have Nathan Uvalde, who's gotten a lot of playoff tacks, I think. Um, Ian Anderson, who just threw no hit ball. Uh, and has growth. You have Chris Bassett, who I like more than before because I realized his four-seamers now a strikeout pitch, and I messed up. Check out the Kevin Hastings <laughs> podcast if you haven't heard that one yet. And then Adam Wainwright, who uh, this Cardinals devil magic of a season. I think there's no other way to say it. and We don't know if that's going to re- repeat itself, but you decided, no, I want Waskari Noah. Why a Noah? Well,
2: um, I really liked what I... Saw from him before he uh got really mad and punched uh something and broke his hand, <laughs> um, but yeah he's got a fantastic slider that he that was his primary pitch. He kind of went just he kind of pitched like a reliever, I guess, and just went fastball slider, but it worked. You know the slider had a thirty eight point seven percent chase rate, eighteen point four percent swinging strike rate. Uh, you know, the uh, 266 Woba against the fastball, I think, is really the question. You know, it, it had 248 average against it, but he had trouble commanding it. Uh, you know, 276 ISO against it is real bad. But I, I like I kind of like what he's got. You know, the the 405 ERA doesn't look great, but the 361 Sierra sure does. And 27 uh, percent strikeout rate. I like that three ninety three FIP. Just so I'm not uh, only pick cherry picking the stats I love, uh, but yeah, if he can get that ERA under four with some decent strikeout numbers, sure, I, I'm willing to take a swing on him. This is kind of like a uh, tw- you know twelfth round. I'm kind of taking a swing on a pitcher who I think could be really good, and I just you know I felt a little better about it than I did grabbing an injury guy or. Um, you know, Wainwright. I just don't. I I don't trust that happening again. So, yeah, I just I kind of like I kind of like what I saw from him. I picked him up in a lot of leagues when he was oh, yeah, uh, breaking out. April yeah, in the beginning, so and great. and I yeah, and I loved it. So, I am kind of you know throwing my hat in that ring one more time.
1: And it was actually kind of funny. I think a lot of people picked him up after the the Miami Marlins start on April twelfth. Ten strikeouts from Oscar I think I did Oscar Wilde. Um huh. Hwaska, yeah. real Wild. Um nice. saying like, oh wild, that's crazy, as opposed to um that he was erratic. Uh but then of course what did he do? He went six earned runs against the Cubs in four innings after I think he was dropped. When I think I I hope I remember this, but I I I think I was saying stick around with him. I hope I did, because after that Hopefully. it was two earned runs, zero zero one. And you really were rewarded by, by that for the next couple of weeks. Waskereen Noah, oh, and what an interesting guy to me, because yeah. it's a really, really good slider. Uh, he throws it 50% of the time for a whopping 38% CSW. That's excellent. 207 batting average allowed. Uh, 48% zone rate, 68% strike rate. This pitch just it works. This is all he needs to do. And he pairs it with 96, 97 mile per hour heat. The problem, as you mentioned, is the location of that he isn't always great. Uh, just a 25% CSW, 53% zone rate. It wasn't so great, and the it burned him at times um, that he wasn't able, especially by the end of the season when he came back from the broken hand, he didn't really have his fastball nearly as he did before. I think there was one game where he threw 70% sliders because of that. It's a little too much. We like we like the, the, the break of all years, but 70% slider. I mean, come on. Too much. So... I want to believe that Noah can be a, a 3-5 ERA guy and maintain the whip around the 110 that he had. It's a low walk rate still because he just throws the slider and gets the job done. Yeah. Um, But because of the fastball erraticism, that's not a word, is it? I don't know.
2: Uh, uh, er, 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 erratic. Yeah.
1: Erraticness? Because of how erratic the fastball is. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I am not changing an O for an A, whoever wants to say that. Um, no, it's... Uh, Waskari Noah's fastball isn't as good as it wanted it to be. Yeah. I will say, two-pitch pitchers should terrify you. I understand why. Yes. <laughs> but... A but, uh, uh, pitcher needs to have three things. A, a fastball they can throw for a strike, a breaking ball throw for a strike, and anything that's a whiff pitch. And it's okay... If one of those two pitches is the same pitch, and that's what it is with the a slider, yeah. the secondary pitch you throw for a strike, and you can get a whiff on it, while well, he can throw the four-seamer for a strike. So I think over a longer season, only 91 innings that we saw this year of of Wasca-Rinoa, I think there is something truly blossoming here in in Atlanta. Do I like it more than Jake Dingy Chance on Clevenger? I don't know, um, but I really think that Waskarinoa is getting dinged a little too hard. For what was overall, I mean, an incredibly successful season, one eleven whip and twenty seven percent strikeout rate. Despite the four hundred five ERA, is remarkable to say the least.
2: Yeah, I mean, pretty good for just showing up, twenty three years old, and uh, you know, doing his thing. I, like, I he's he's really solid. I think he's a nice, you know, I guess twelfth rounder. We calling him sleepers yet? Kinda. Yeah. I mean, you All know,
1: right, well, I mean, keep in mind before his last three starts. Uh I had a three twenty six year on the season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is just yeah. something else to not forget about.
2: Um Yeah, it was so. really those it was really those last those last three starts were like really rough. And one of those starts worth noting was against the Padres, who are a yes. really good offense and he gave up seven earned runs. There's you know, they a lot okay. of people they were okay, by Well, the end. They, were they were okay, they were, but you're right, you're right. Yeah. They were kind of crashing and burning. <laughs> but still, I mean, that's you know, it's not like he was playing the Orioles or something and gave up, you know, a bunch of earned runs or like a really bad
1: Orioles they were they were kind of good in Camden okay we're gonna move on Uh, Noah should be someone you should be considering the 12th round as you might go a little bit long on this podcast and you want this might be a good moment for us to take a quick break
3: You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code
1: Broke your rule. You said you're going to do balance here, but you didn't I know. home. But you got Giovanni Gallegos in the 13th <laughs> round. That's amazing.
2: This was a moment where I was doing that. <laughs> the, another another thing that I think this was you who said it, and I've always remembered it, was when you are looking at a draft and you don't like anybody, that's when you draft a closer.
1: Yep, that's a, that's my friend Ben Dean told me that back yeah. in 2013 and it stuck with me forever.
2: And I still remember it, and I was sitting here like I need a closer and I don't really like anybody too much. And so I was like, All right, who's out there? And Gallegos was out there, and I was like, Oh, cool. I this is pretty good value for Gallegos. I mean, this is a really good pitcher who uh, you know, is gonna get saves hopefully it, we'll see but i think he should and again you know trust in the stuff here he's got a phenomenal slider uh f- almost a money pitch 46.3% chase rate 39.2% zone rate 24% swing and strike rate fastball is also really good he got 10.4% swing and strike rate on his fastball that's really solid uh, and not a single pitch had a Woba against worse than 262, which was just changeup, which he barely ever threw. The slider had a 211 Woba against ridiculous, like just great, great stuff. Exactly what you want out of a reliever, out of a closer. He's throwing absolute filth throwing, you know, 95 mile an hour fastball. It's great. I, I like him a lot. And for what was available there, I'll happily take that as like my, one of my main closers in the 13th round for sure.
1: You might be happy to know that Paul Spore took, I think Gallego says the third closer off the board in the third round. Holy cow. um, And a draft and hold. So yeah, you get a seal of approval for the 13th round. (laughs) For Gallegos, all right. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like Gallegos has the closer role. They've been talking about Jordan Hicks going to be a starter, and who knows what Alex Reyes is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Gallegos has a firm hold on it with the thirty percent plus strikeout rate and a really nice slider and a good fastball. And yep, this is the closer for the Cardinals. So, good stuff here. Uh, I you will not be able to get Gallegos in the thirteenth round. So seal of approval. I've only given you seals of approvals for hitter, sorry for pitchers, but maybe one for the next one. We'll see. So Matt Chapman, I hinted at before, I uh, you he didn't have a third base before. Just kidding. It was Juan Mankama. <laughs> yeah. But maybe Matt Chapman is the answer. Yes, he did bat 210, but it was 27 home runs, 147 combined runs in RBI for uh, Matt Chapman this past year. 33% K rate is not fun, but hey, a 13% walk rate. There could be better days ahead for Chapman.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I feel like Chapman's another one of those guys where, like, you kind of know what you're going to get at this point uh, based on I mean the average has been steadily plummeting which is not you know 2019 it was 249 2020 232 this year 210 that's not a great trend hopefully it doesn't dip to like 180 next year and keep going down Uh, but I mean the expected batting average is like uh, right around there I think it's like 207 compared to 210 So
1: 207 exactly Look
2: 207 Uh, there we go And so not great, but I do love the walk rates gone up. I just, I feel like at this point, he's kind of a three true outcome guy. I hope that doesn't really continue. I hope that the strikeouts go down as the walk rates gone up. Um, But, you know, he's got great power. Uh, The runs and RBI are going to be there. It's kind of, yeah, I think it helps hedge my Moncada pick a little bit. With uh at the if mancada like fails miserably, I think you're still gonna get solid production out of Chapman, and you know, in the what was it the fourteenth tw- round. round? yeah, I'll take it now, Ben, of course, with great power comes great. I almost said that, man, you know I it's so funny. That. I almost said. Like he's got great power, and you know, with that comes great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like trying to figure out a way to work that in, and I was like, nah. I, I, I and then You it. say I, it. Love I, I
1: had it. Uh, with great power comes great responsibility to make sure your average doesn't tank. There it is. And there uh, it is. This is why they pay me the big bucks. That's um, 100% here's the thing true. though. <laughs> While Mankata, I don't know if you're necessarily going to get that average to pull you out of that. Al- Austin Meadows, maybe if he hints at the previous years. Chisholm, not really. You're leaning on Wander and Alvarez and Bats here. Um, yeah. Olsen. I mean, I hope it's a 270 again or so. I mean, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Um. But you are dipping a little bit into that, and you got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I average
2: is such a average often, stat, I know. Well, yeah. it's it's such a volatile stat often. Sure. That when I'm drafting, I I'm looking at like, do I have enough power? Do I have enough speed? when I'm looking at like my team as a whole, mm-hmm. I almost never look at it and go, do I have enough average just because it it fluctuates so, so much. Uh, it can be, it can be difficult to project. So, but no, you, that that's a fair, that's a fair point. I've got a decent number of guys who, you know, are petting in the low 200s, 220s. So yeah, that's, that's something honestly I didn't even really, think all that much about to be frank
1: so let's uh let's move on now to uh to pick 15 and you missed out on on Grandal and will smith and you know, muto and wilson contreras and buster posey so you went after the kraken himself <laughs> gary sanchez yeah what made you say you know what instead of waiting for the end I am actually going to jump ahead here and get Gary Sanchez. Well, it was kind of this point where I'm like, you know,
2: the rest of this draft is me grabbing some sleepers, filling out some edges and stuff, but I still needed a catcher. So there wasn't anyone that I was like, I got to grab this guy now before he's gone. So I was like, I I might as well fill out catcher. Gary Sanchez was there. And, uh, you know, I had Sanchez in a good handful of leagues this year he was fine you know catcher is such a tough position and given how tough it is sanchez's power at the very least and you know run rbi production to potential with being on the yankees is nice it's it's useful 204 average sucks but you know, again, yeah, you look at were the rest just
1: talking about Palmer. Okay? I
2: know. I know. And you know, what's funny <laughs> is the very next pick uh, that Chris did was Kybert Ruiz. And I said, oh, that's who I should have picked. Oh, yeah, I did. Because I, I, I like that. As soon as he did, it, I was like, ah, oh, that's a good pick. I like that a lot. Mm. And I think, honestly, that's I, I, I love Kybert Ruiz. I love his potential. And he's going to play in Washington plenty.
1: Now, I will say Gary so, Sanchez is better than a last round catcher. I mean yeah it's not fun. You're not gonna enjoy the two hundred average or two ten. Yeah, or but
2: if yeah, if you're looking at but the rest of the guys. Things. You're yeah, gonna
1: get runs in RBI, you're gonna get some home runs and yep. be happy. Yeah, and with that. and you
2: know, you look at the rest, like who else who was the next catcher after Ruiz? Is Mike Zanino, Dalton Varsho, like hey, Mike uh, Zanino
1: knocked over thirty home runs this year. Just
2: yeah, like. yeah, but it's it's kinda, you know, another low average. You know, there's there's definitely the catcher sucks. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> catcher sucks.
1: Yeah. So I why figured I'm all, for, why not. I'm all for going real Muto Smith, Grandal or Perez if I can, because of that. Uh, yeah. I think, I think if, unless you get one of those guys,
2: you just punt catcher towards, till yeah. towards the end. And I was kind of like, eh, I don't see any reason. It's kind of like the closer strategy. There's nobody here where that I'm like, I got to grab this guy now. Might as well mm. go ahead and fill out catcher.
1: Sure. All right. Well, John Meade, 16th round. I love this pick. Yeah, man. I was very upset to see him go. And of course, what you know, the Baltimore man himself, of course, John Means from him, who, yes, he means business. (laughs) I was a little upset to see how Means progressed through the year. I I didn't truly feel that he got into the groove that he should have been in in the second half. It wasn't detrimental to your team. I mean, we're seeing 2 2 2 2 0 3 6 were the earned run totals to end the year for John Means. It, it wasn't you – know, you You weren't witnessing it and thinking, oh, this is bad for me. But I remember monitoring him and just being upset that there was no real leap forward that we've seen. The fastball right. velocity wasn't 94 plus. The changeup was a little bit more floaty and not quite as precise as I've seen. And I wanted him to take those extra steps maybe with the curveball. And that becomes really that pitch that pushes him forward with the foundation of the fastball and changeup. And never quite got there for me, but still – 362 ERA in the end, which is great. 103 whip, yeah. 23% K rate. It's not like he was bad for you. Uh, and, and this could be a 200 inning season uh, if everything goes right for John Means. Uh, is there is that going to happen, or are we going to just kind of shrug our shoulders and look at the 461 FIP and go, yeah, that might be what he gets, what he has next year. <sighs> now, I I think I really do think he could
2: either do this again or, or really take that step forward. I agree. I was really, really hoping that this is going to be like the year where he really established himself as a very good starting pitcher. And, and like you said, not a disappointing year at all. Like, you know, he, he threw into a hitter, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, he, he was, he was very good. And from August 22nd on, he had one start where he gave up more than three earned runs. And he, honestly, he only had three starts where he gave up uh, more than two. So, you know, he he was solid, but he never had like that, aside from the no-hitter, he never really had like those starts where he was like punching out 9, 10, 11 guys or something like that, or just like, Really looked, dominant.
1: It's really good at that beginning. You know, yep. had uh, three games of uh, three and four games. It was nine strikeouts at least. Yep. And everyone was like, "Oh, Nick, I understand it." I'm like, "Thank you." Thank yeah. You. And then, then it stopped. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really want that
2: curveball or the slider to really be like that third pitch for him. I think it would be the curveball, though. The slider was not bad at all last year. It was a decent little swing and miss pitch. He didn't throw it a ton. But that changeup is great. It's always been great, and it continued to be great. It was as good as it's been uh, this past year. Fastball was was fine. You know, it it got knocked around a, a bit. I think that kind of is the nature of pitching in Camden Yards. Sometimes you're gonna get hit for home runs. Uh, you know, two seventy four ISO against that pitch. Yikes! But ultimately a 3.32 woba. So I mean, it was inducing some weak contact. He just I don't think he was commanding it as well as he could have been. Only a 53.8% zone rate. So that's you, you hoped I think see that a little bit higher. But um but man, could he locate the the change up? It was a great swing and miss pitch. I would love to see either the curveball or slider, probably the curveball, uh, kind of take that next step forward and be that third pitch for him. Here's
1: the uh, thing. Though, yeah. man. Here's the thing. I, I know this is going to be shocking to everybody, but it's really good. You think 73% strike rate on the change of, oh, man, it was so amazing. Just a 36% no swing. Yeah. And that that's shocking to me. Uh, 60% zone rate. And, and that's really it. I want those to... to kind of compress a little, right? Yes. More of a 55% zone rate and then yep. a 40% O-swing because I think he just needs to get the, that pitch down more. And it's not that it was not good for him. John Means had a very successful changeup this past year, but I think there is that extra bit to unlock that would turn Means <laughs> into a 23% strikeout rate guy too, more yep. of a 25 to 30%. Um, and then the fastball was ninety four last year. It was ninety three this past year, and it was ninety two in two thousand nineteen and 90 2018. I wish it was ninety one, but it's not. It was ninety. Hmm. Uh, but I, I do wonder if that velocity can come back, um, and if there's a world where his velocity is ninety four on the on the fastball and the changeup has that forty to forty five percent of a swing. If that exists, yeah. Then you're talking a two five E array with oh, yeah, one whip yeah. and a 30% K rate, like that is still there for me. in a guy that, yes, he hasn't gone the uh massive workhorse season yet 147 innings last year, 155 in 2019 for John means I think there is certainly potential that 180 to 200 range, uh, given how he pitches, um, and how the Orioles just. He is their pitcher. It's not. Yeah. I'm not saying like their ace. I'm saying he is their only pitcher. <laughs> well, next year we'll see. There's there's talk about Grayson Rodriguez coming up. Oh, Grayson Rodriguez, up. of course, and hey, uh, DL
2: Hall too. DL Hall, yeah, maybe. The, the the thing that made people think Grayson might be coming up is Mike Elias made a comment. He was like, oh. "I mean, you don't have to go to AAA.
1: <laughs> uh, well, absolutely, Grayson should be before for DL Hall. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it is it is absolutely hilarious to me how it's just. John Means was the only thing. That he
2: really was. He really was. There was just, there was nothing else there.
1: Nope. <laughs> so John Means 16th round. I really dig it. Guess what? It's another seal. Oh man. So here I we like, go. Okay, so here we go. So Gaussman, Gaussman, Snell and Means all got seals. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get one for a hitter? I don't
2: think so. I think right? I think you gave me a seal of approval. Uh, other seals of approval came for Gallegos, right?
1: Oh, Gallegos has to, yeah. Uh,
2: Yanoa, did you give me one for Yanoa? No. No? Oh, God. I don't think okay. so.
1: Did Franco, I like it, but wander
2: not... Wander didn't get a seal of approval? No. Uh, I, I, it's not that uh, I dislike it. It's just a seal needs to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I got you. I got you. So yeah, it's all been, it's all been those pitchers.
1: So you stayed at home with Trey Mancini in the 17th round. I mean, seriously, I'm going to say it a second time. We are going a bit long this podcast. <laughs> a little bit, a little, a little bit. bit. So, so Trey Mancini now 17th round. So we're going to speed through these last seven here. Paul. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So this was, I mean, obviously a little bit of homerism, but whatever. He's, uh, he's good. He's good. He's a good hitter. You know, 21 home runs, 255 average. Obvious obviously it's not what he did in 2019, but I, I honestly wasn't really expecting 2019, especially after missing an entire year and you know beating cancer. You know, I what Absolutely. what can I <laughs> just casually what can you expect? And this is a perfectly solid year, and you give me roughly this again. I think I think he can get back up to 30 home runs. You give me a guy who hits 260, 30 home runs and like 150 combined RBI runs. In the what seventeenth round? Yeah, sure, I'll take that. That's no problem for me.
1: Yeah, I, it's obviously isn't the twenty nineteen season replicated, but I think there's still room for growth and opportunity sure. for Trey Mancini to do better. So yeah, he's certainly a dart I want to throw. I look forward to that article that you put ah, every preseason.
2: Yes, uh, thank you. Yeah, he and and it's worth noting this Orioles offense is just going to get better. Right. You got your guys like Cedric Mullins now, Mount Castle. You're going to see, we'll talk about this later, but I, I personally think Adley Rutchman's up next year. You're going to start seeing some of these uh, hitting prospects coming up and producing. And that's just going to make the RBI numbers better for Trey, who's going to hit in the middle of
1: the lineup. I should have assumed that you were the one to get Adley. I love that pick. Uh, we're going to go now to the 18th round. Uh, Paul Seawall, do you see him closing for Seattle?
2: I, I think he could. He he was really, really good this past year. The strikeout stuff was ridiculous. Almost almost a 40% strikeout crazy, rate. Crazy. Ridiculous. 102 whip, 306
1: whip across 65, almost 65 innings for Paul Seawold. Yeah. 10 wins along the way too. To <laughs> right. 11 right. saves. What a season.
2: Yeah. I mean, if, if ever he, if that was an audition for the closer job, the guy like passed with flying colors as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, will he have the closer job? I don't know. This late in the draft, you're kind of just taking a swing and hoping he does. And he's certainly got the stuff to do it. That four-seam fastball is nasty. 16.1% swing and strike rate, 30% chase rate on his fastball. Mm. And he, and in the strike zone, 68.5% of the time. Ridiculous. Like, that's just and, – and then on top of that, he's got a great slider too. So, yeah, I, I, I like his stuff a lot. And, uh, yeah, if, like I said, if that was his
1: audition for the job, I think he got it. So we'll see what happens, but you know, where he was in 2020, you know, what team he was on the New York Mets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah, he, he changed a little bit, went farther down to a uh, much, much different motion too. Uh, and it just worked out for Paul Seawold. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the slider 36% CSW with a 35% on the, sl- on the fastball, wonderful stuff. Um And I do also imagine as it is with the reliever, say for cuz you can that one. It's often a, a, a placeholder pick of just whoever is around at this point is where i be taking a reliever. Um, let's yeah. move on to the 19th round pick. I like this one. This is a fun one. It says Sanchez. Uh, yeah. guy with a lot of raw power, 14 home runs and 251 yeah. play appearances. This could be part of that Marlins group talking about that could improve the offense in 2022 uh, talk to us about Jesus Sanchez and what could be ahead.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you kind of pace him out for roughly a full season, you're looking at a guy who is hitting in the two fifties with 30 home runs uh, and like 70 ish RBI, uh, you know, that's, that's really good. That's a really solid hitter. And I think Sanchez has the talent to do that in a Marlins offense that, like you said, is going to get better next year. So it's he's one of those. He's definitely almost definitely going to be in my dart throw article, depending on where his ADP is, if it's if his ADP stays low.
1: I don't I don't think it's going to be that much higher. Uh, Yeah, yeah, sure. You can get seduced by the the massive power, but it's also 31 percent strikeout rate. Yep. Attached yep. to it, a swing percentage around fifty percent with a 30, 36% percent O swing, which is a little bit high.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, he's de- there's definitely concerns there, but I just I I like the raw talent and uh, this late in the draft, I think he's a great dart throw because yeah, I, I the potential's there.
1: I absolutely dig wow. it. Uh, also, it's, it reminds me of the O'Neill Cruz pick at the twenty second round uh, hmm. by Chris Weber, which I thought was really cool. Um, but let's move on here to the twentieth round and definitely be be thinking of Jesus Sanchez and look out, of course, for. Palmer's article about Darth Rose and Sanchez is yeah he's a fun one I would be definitely chasing that wherever I can I yeah think I saw you take him. I was like oh yeah right that's, that's the kind of thing I should be doing <laughs> um, Zach Plesak went in the 20th oh I uh funny story really quickly Palmer yeah first pitch Arizona I had the the absolute honor to be a part of the the pitching panel in the main atrium for everybody right there's none other things yeah I was just on stage with I uh, with with Todd Zola, Paul Spohr, and Doug Dennis. And uh, they said quick hits here, one or two sentences about Zach Pleszak. And I think I went last. Uh, they all said like very quick things. And I just, and I, I say, I don't care about the sentences. I'm going to tell you the story of Zach Plesack <laughs> Because I feel it's very important. And I will tell the story, but I want you to tell yours first. Yeah, uh, I feel like
2: this uh, another thing this late in the draft, you know, please got good stuff. He's shown it in the past. It wasn't, you know, injury, you know, doesn't uh, didn't help clearly, but it, it wasn't what it was in 2020. You know that that slider was still good. It wasn't the dominant awesome pitch that it was no, It was not. Uh, yeah, but it was still, you know. 37.2% chase rate, 17.8% – god, I can't talk – swinging strike rate You're doing is great. still – thanks. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> still nothing to sneeze at. Like, that's that's a solid pitch. Changeup wasn't as good as it's been, and that fastball got absolutely annihilated. You know what I said? I don't like it when guys throw a terrible fastball over and over again. Uh, please act through a fastball that had a 428 Woba and 301 ISO against 923 times. Disgusting. Uh, I don't love that, and I would love to see him mix in, like kind of go with the pitch mix he went with in 2020, which was more evenly split between his fastball and his slider. So, you know, there's definitely a lot, a lot of question marks with him, but he's got good stuff. We've seen him do it before. This late in the draft, I'm happy to throw a dart at that. He can kind of return back to what he used to be.
1: No, I kind of like that you did. Um, I do wonder that there. Are, oh, okay. I'm going to tell the story first. Yes. I want to like hear the story. story. Well, the story is pretty straightforward. If you ask me, you have a 2019 season where Zach. Plesak shows up and I didn't really think too much of him at first, but Hey, you know what? The change of insider were pretty decent. Fastball was good enough to make it work, and it was just your standard Cleveland approach. Um, that this is not so bad. 2020 is changeup and slider were way, way better. Uh, first of all, you had the changeup coming in at 30 CSW all of a sudden, going from a, about a 13 and 14 percent swing striker to about a 19 swing striker, 122 batting average allowed on that, and then a slider. That was ridiculously good at a 26% swing strike or 37% CSW. And what Police Act did was threw them exclusively to the handedness. So that is, right handers saw sliders, left handed batters saw changeups. Um, you're going to see on our player pages right now curveballs. Not really. That wasn't really a thing uh, last year. So this year, Slider took a way, way worse. 18% swing strike rate. Not the 26 from before. 26% CSW total versus the 37% you saw in 2020, right? Not good. He actually introduced uh, a curveball to help out with the changeup against lefties. And that actually wasn't so bad. 30% CSW on it, 13% swing strike rate, but a solid 18% called strike rate because the changeup was so bad. 22.6% 20, 20 CSW. It just did not do anything. It had the same drop in swing strike rate from 19 to 13. And that's uh, concerning. Uh, you had an injury with Plesek early on. He never got back on track. Uh, however, like I've said before, going from being good, just because you're good now doesn't mean you're going to be good tomorrow. In the same way, being if you're bad today doesn't mean you're going to be bad tomorrow. Plesek has opportunity, and that's a good thing. He, the, Cleveland Guardians are going to let him go. They're going to let him start. Say, please, Zach, the ball is yours. You can go six innings if you can. If you can go seven, that's even better. He will continue to pitch, and there's a chance the slider and or changeup gets back to where it was. The introduction of a curveball is very exciting. I think that's a good thing. It will help him be a little bit more consistent. If you see Zach Plesac have success early on and it's on the back of his fastball performing well, get out of here. Because that is not the ticket of success for Zach police. We saw that a couple of times yeah. in 2021. Did not work. Did not last. But I might actually want to take a chance on act because if it does work early on, it, whoever has him won't let him go. And you might not get the chance. So really see the schedule of Cleveland early. See if act matches with, I don't know, uh, the Royals or... Um, I mean, maybe even the Tigers. I don't know how great they're going to be. I mean, we've said that they're better, but I still might be okay with it. Um, maybe it's the Pirates or something. If he has a favorable early schedule, I might want to do exactly what you did and say, you know what? Maybe Plesek has a change of slider. Yeah. You don't even need to start him. Just see if that will happen because the opportunity is there for him to go 180 innings even. I uh, and there is a chance that he can hint at his 2019 2020 stuff. That's the yeah, story. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing I always
2: say with picks this late is the the risk is almost nothing. These are, you know, right. If he bombs and you drop him, what did you waste? So, nothing.
1: I just wanted to be clear that, you know, there are a lot of guys you can get with a 17% K rate and a four, six, seven ear rate. Right? And you can think, Nick, this is not the guy that you suggest us going for. That is not the tale of Zach Pleissack. I'd be very shocked if 2022 fo- featured a 4670 array and a 17% carry from Zach Pleissack. That's yeah. all. As I'm saying, hey, we gotta go quickly through these, and I can't help myself. <laughs> it's I just all can't. good. This is this is the fun.
0: All right, right, but all I love this good. next
1: pick. I really do. Adley Rushman in the 21st round. You're like, you know what? Maybe Baltimore just calls him up right away, and I have, you know, possibly a top five, top ten catcher. Why not? The, uh,
2: the best way I can describe Adley Rutschman is the way that um, Connor Newcomb, who is a uh, Orioles guy, host hosts the Locked on Orioles podcast, uh, described him in our Shag and Flies episode with him where he said there was a lot of concern among Orioles fans were like, well, you know, Matt Wieters is supposed to be this, you know, second coming of Christ. And he ended up being a good, but not like incredible catcher. We know why isn't Adley the same thing? And he said, when Matt Wieters was drafted, Matt Wieters was a really good hitter for a catcher. Adley Rutschman is a great hitter who happens to play catcher. And I think he showed that last year in the minors. Between double and triple A last year, 123 games, 543 plate appearances. He hit 285, 397, 502. That's great. Like 23 home runs, 75 RBI. And that includes in Triple A. I mean, it was only 43 games in Triple A, but he hit three twelve in Triple A with a four ninety slugging
1: walk like, rates th- above 13%. Yeah. record rates well below 20%. Swing strike rates of 6.3 and 7.4 in AA and Triple A, respectively. Yeah,
2: I mean, there's just there's and he's a great defender. So th- there's no question in my mind that Adley Rutschman is ready for the major leagues. The only question is if the Orioles want to bring him up, and you know. It, don't want to toy around with service time or whatever. I I don't think I'm optimistic that they won't, especially if they're talking about maybe bringing Grayson Rodriguez up next year. Maybe next year is the year where we start seeing some of these prospects getting a more consistent taste of the major leagues. And if that happens with Adley, then yeah, he's a great catcher. And if you can grab him late in drafts, I don't think he's going to be available in like the, you know, second to last round of drafts. I think that ADP is going to start going up, but yeah, I mean, the guy's a great hitter. He's already shown it. So,
1: so get um, your, yeah. get your bingo sheets ready because there's the time when I mentioned that we don't know what the CBA is going to hold and maybe yes, teams yes. will be incentivized finally to bring up younger guys that are ready for the majors instead of holding them back. So, and yep. Adley seal of approval 21st round. Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of funny because we think about like prospect stashes, More along the Wander Franco types, maybe the Grayson Rodriguez is always one major, like, oh, Mackenzie Gore kind of pitcher. Adley could be the most valuable one because of the gap between his ability and the next guy on your roster. Yes. Gary Sanchez. Uh, And that could be such a big boost as opposed to you taking a chance on Andrew Vaughn or whatever it was last year.
2: Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I'm I, yeah, so
1: I, for this pick, I think this might be your best pick, Ben, in the 21st. Thank round. you. Yeah. I,
2: I truly don't think he's going to be there in 21st rounds. I think yeah. people are going to start picking up him, picking him up, picking up his ADP. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> but I still think, you know, even if he get if he gets a full season, he truly could be close to a 300 hitter, like a high average hitter with 20 plus home runs.
1: Sure. And like um, from the
2: catcher position, take it.
1: Your last two are Daniel Lynch and Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah. Uh and Daniel Lynch, ooh, anyone that read the roundup knows that I think there's a lot of potential in Daniel Lynch and boy was I frustrated to see it never come to fruition uh in this past year. But hey, maybe there's opportunity for Lynch in two thousand twenty two.
2: Yep. Same same heel same deal here. That's the same thing. Uh, you know, it's I love the potential, I love the stuff. 21.4% swing and strike rate, and then 38.2% chase rate right on that slider. The slider's beautiful. Fastball needs some work. I uh, I did his um, gift breakdown for his debut last year, and I really like the raw stuff, but he's frustrating a bit. But, yeah, the potential there is there, and that's that's what I'm drafting. I'm drafting the potential.
1: Absolutely. I, I will say around now is where you get – kind of tough with these younger guys because they're not necessarily pitchers that I would want to roster out of the gate because I'm not going to start them. I'm not going yeah. to put myself in harm's way with Daniel Lynch's first start. Um, you're really banking on it, working out, and being ahead of the waiver wire. You uh, you may find yourself able to get some guys that are beneficial, like there was Anthony Descafine in the 21st round, which is amazing. That game, yeah. You can start him right away. Um, and also, Chase the upside and feel okay with that, right? Uh, it is thinner than usual, I think, in a pitcherless draft. Um, yeah, it's not typical that all of the top 100 of mine are gone, (laughs) um, save for Kyle Gibson and Chris Flexen. And I think that was it. You know, Steven Matt as well. Those are the last ones, um, which is absolutely startling to me. Yeah.
2: Um, Grayson Rodriguez was the pick, uh, right after me, which I thought was interesting. I, uh,
1: I'm surprised he didn't do it, honestly. You know, yeah, it, I don't know. That's,
2: it's not a bad sleeper pick. I like it.
1: Well, uh, we're going to move on to your last one, though. You say Kikuchi. Yeah. Uh, and Kikuchi had times last year averaging 96 on his fast one. It was wonderful. By the end, we saw more than 94, and it, well, was not wonderful. Uh, hopefully, the cutter can get back to being a big swing strike rate pitch. But yeah, it just wasn't really this the, the tickets for success. I, uh, are you willing to trust Kikuchi out of the gate?
2: Well, he was great out of the gate uh, last year. He was um, he was a guy who was in my dart throw uh, article, and through June, I was pretty happy with it. He had a three three four ERA, twenty five point five percent strikeout rate, eight point eight percent walk rate. I was like, all right, cool. You say Kikuchi's pretty good, and then his two twenty BABIP and four thirty four FIP came back to bite him. And from July first on he had a five seven three ERA, though strikeout and walk rate were still roughly the same. So the question is, what is you Say Kikuchi? You know, I-, I think there's the potential for him to be the high threes ERA guy with a decent strikeout rate um but you know yeah obviously it's a bit of a risk but you know I, I i think it could be there he's got a nice slider the fastball is solid when it's working you know it's kind of it's the last pick so i was looking at what was there and I was like yeah yeah he's worth the shot why not
1: sure uh i don't know if i would be chasing it just because i think his command is an issue too um yeah just really don't know what we're gonna get in a given night it's very cherry bomb esque and yeah. i don't think think i'm going to get to a point where i feel very secure with kikuchi as if like it's just not going to fall apart at any moment uh so that means i'm holding on to someone that i might be regretting a lot come june or so and that kind of guy is what i call a hipster headache inducing starting pitchers to stifle the entire roster kikuchi i think falls into that for me but i i'm ready to be wrong well and and he's a guy
2: where like it's your last pick. If his first three or four starts are all terrible, just drop him. Whatever. Well,
1: right. But, but what I'm saying is, you might get like one or two that are good there, and one or two. Oh that are yeah, bad, I, I you get don't what you're saying. Know yeah. What yeah. to do? Yep. Uh, so hopefully that's not the case. But here we are. That's 23. We finally, we finally made it. Made it. Oh man. So Palmer, uh, a scale of one to 23. How do you feel about this team? Uh, I would say I feel. I'd give it a
2: solid 20. I feel good about it. Oh, wow. That's the highest
1: rank that anyone has given their team.
2: I feel really, really good about
1: it. I, there are definitely a few
2: questions, but really overall looking at the draft, there's really only one or two guys where I'm like, eh, I don't love that. The rest of it. I, I like the sleepers that I grabbed. Um, and you know, I, I like my pitching staff, which doesn't often happen in pitcherless drafts. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I think the offense will be fine. Uh, you know, average, like you mentioned, is my biggest weakness. But if if average is my biggest weakness in the whole offense, I'm fine with that.
1: I'm gonna give it a 17. Okay. Um, I, I do like the the starters. I uh, I think you do set up your offense in a way that can't be chasing you know you could be like uh behind the pack all year sure um that you know doesn't fly with me at the same time you are the guy that does the hitters to stream articles that might just be part of the game plan
2: and i and i think given this team i would be streaming a good number of hitters there would definitely be some right. moving around so
1: I'll, I'll give you an 18 then i'll, I'll push it up to i'll there. take if, it if, if hit with some of these then they can turn out incredibly well but there you have it that is Ben Palmer's mock draft. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. If you like Ben Palmer, absolutely check out his Shagging Flies podcast. And if you don't, listen to it anyway, because that case is great too. <laughs> he is. Um, why wouldn't like Ben Palmer's beyond me? Um, and the, One of the cool things I will say about Ben's podcast that isn't necessarily the case for a lot of people on this is that they are evergreen. They are not mm-hmm. baseball timed podcast you can listen to mine you can listen to fast you can listen to all their wonderful guests at any point uh and it's still incredible it has nothing to do with the current state of affairs so yeah yep. definitely and definitely go through those enjoy them uh it's wonderful.
2: it's fun stuff our most recent one was with matthew roberson and he was a lot of fun uh and before that was drew silva who was a blast as well so a yeah. lot of a lot of a lot of good episodes to sort through there
1: great stuff i definitely give ben a paul a ben palmer a follow on uh, on twitter ben j palmer and yeah ben any any closing remarks anything you want to direct people to um no i think we covered pretty much all of it i'm going to
2: be doing some off-season writing uh you know i'm going to especially once the season gets closer i'll be doing my pitches in review my pitch review series of the best uh of each pitch type most chase pitches all that stuff that i do every year yes. which will be a lot of fun and uh i'm working on a uh piece about why uh it, whether hit by pitch is sticky year to year and why is everyone getting hit by pitches all of a sudden because everyone's getting hit by pitches max way more than effort. they used to
1: it's because max effort <laughs> yep. is everything all yep right. so
2: some stuff like that uh yeah so yeah that's pretty much definitely look
1: be on the lookout for those for that and of course yancey's tweet 28 days after the fact (laughs) uh but that's gonna do it for today's edition of the on the corner podcast on behalf of ben palmer my name is nick pollock and i'll talk to you guys next week